welcome to the Left for Life podcast. Angus is here in my kitchen, and there's no funny introduction, I'm afraid, today. Absolutely gutted. Guys, send in your requests, and I'll make sure they make some of the next episodes. But today, we're going to talk about cycling. The reason we're talking about cycling is because we've had a lot of impact from our comments on running, haven't we? Yeah, your fellow... This is to cyclists, your fellow cardio bunnies, the runners. Graham, in a clip on Instagram, tried to encourage the combination of weight training and running in order to not only get better at running, but also physically transform. Sadly, the clip was, you could say, a little bit clickbaity at the start if you have the attention span of someone who only likes to watch things for 5 to 10 seconds. So the first 5 to 10 seconds, Graham obviously goes, if you just run, this will happen. And then people were so angry about it that they didn't watch the rest of the clip where you perfectly explain why to get better at running and physically look better, you want to weight train as well. Yeah, but Graham bought 40-second clips that they didn't have time for the final 35 seconds. <laughs> exactly. But Graham, how's it felt walking around knowing that now 1.4 million people have watched you? It's quite extraordinary because I think that makes me bigger than Taylor Swift, doesn't it? <laughs> Not quite. I think she has over 200 million Instagram followers. But I think she's never performed to 1.4 million people in one stadium. That is true. That is true. <laughs> anyway, we will move on with the podcast. So cycling, we're actually going to talk about, of course, the benefits. It's a great form of cardio. One of the main reasons why it's a great form of cardio is it's very low impact. So combining with weight training is always an extremely good thing to do because obviously when you do running, it's much higher impact. It then makes training legs, for example, much more difficult. It's an easily accessible thing to do as well. So unlike many other sports, cycling does not require high levels of physical skill. And most people, once they learn, of course, know how to ride a bike and never really forget. You can make it as intense as you want, which is brilliant as well. So whether you want to do 40 minutes zone two cardio like G-Dog on a Sunday and be inspiring people by flexing your sweaty biceps in the mirror or of course you want to do some interval training like g-dog attempts g-rocks on saturdays and often he is lying in a pool of sweat on the gym floor but one of the things it is great for as well is the time efficiency it can be used as a mode of transport so if you're commuting into the city it's a great form of exercise and you know who wouldn't want to not avoid getting on the tube when you could be cycling on hopefully what is a sunny day in London. Another thing I think is great is if you are extremely busy, if you've got kids, having a Peloton. Super easy. You can put it in your kitchen. You can put it anywhere, uh, which makes it a very, well, for some people, very enjoyable. I actually don't like Peloton, <laughs> but if it is your only form of exercise and you feel comfortable and confident doing it, then I'd highly recommend. But Graham, you're going to hit us up, of course, with some facts about why just doing cycling probably isn't doing you the world of good and why combining it with weight training is the way to go. I mean, you can't really criticise Peloton because even Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's a huge Peloton fan and I've read about that many times and, and, and I've got um, friends who are huge fans of the Zwift global cycling community, which is actually pretty phenomenal. So there's many, many things about cycling which are very easy to do, very efficient. But when we think about cycling... There's many, many aspects of it. We've just talked about, I suppose, stuff in the gym and commuting, but there's mountain biking, um, there's road biking, there's touring. I've got a lot of friends that do a lot of touring all around France and Italy. And of course, there's Olympic track cycling. We've got our 
most decorated Olympian cyclist Chris Hoy from Scotland in the UK, who had an amazing performance in the 2012 Olympics. So lots of different types of cycling. But I think to start off, it's just important to put some numbers on how many people cycle. So data says one billion people ride bikes every day around the world um, for sport, recreation and transport. Riding to work or the shops is obviously one of the most time efficient ways of combining exercise with a regular daily routine, of course. During the COVID pandemic, the amount of cycling rocketed. So in London specifically, in 2011, 4.3% of the population aged over 16 traveled to work by bike. Just before the pandemic, um, it surged up to 5 point, or so just after the pandemic, it surged up to 5.1%. Within inner London, it's gone from 72 to 9%. So quite incredible. Almost one in 10 people in inner London will cycle to work. To be fair, even I, on the way home from work, most days now, I'll come by Lime Bike. So that's electric. Clearly, it's not any exercise, but I do find it better than being on the tube for 45 minutes. And I think across cities, Amsterdam clearly very famous for it. Cycling is much more prevalent. I think England and Wales as a whole, three percent of people cycle to work at the moment. And uh, Transport for London has said that weekly cycling demand in the past couple of years has risen a hundred and forty percent. So it's clearly a great thing to do. It's very very popular. But one problem I've personally had with it, I went through a phase. I think it probably was about ten years ago, where I didn't like my body, I didn't understand weight training properly, and I thought I'd try to lose weight the easiest way possible just by cycling into work every single day. So perhaps stupidly, and I think many cyclists will ridicule me for this, but I decided to buy a Brompton in addition to getting full Lycra. And it doesn't look good. Thank God you met me. <laughs> yeah. There, I, I remember there was a, I think it was a Dutch lady that I was on my Brompton in my Lycra cycling past in Hyde Park one sunny summer day. And as she cycled past me, looked at me and just said, small wheels. <laughs> and it was, it was quite sort of demeaning. And I think I stopped using the Brompton after that and decided to get a bike with bigger wheels, which caused some storage problems. But nevertheless, I, I, I decided to do this, and I think for maybe two years, I was cycling into work each day, and I got a bit skinnier, but my body shape didn't change that much, and I got quite irritated. So it was actually soon after then that I realized I need to start weight training. Obviously, it wasn't until under the five years that I got Angus, and I suddenly realized the true holy grail. But I think cycling on it on its own, if you're just doing it via commuting, it may be great for your cardiovascular health, particularly if you really accelerate. But I think as a, a way of transforming your body, it's definitely not the best way to do it. And I read an article in uh, Bicycling Magazine. So if anyone's going to know about it, they're going to know about it. And the quote is, the not so good news is, unless you're a newbie cyclist, you'll generally get a lot more bang for your buck by strength training and lifting rather than just bike riding. And that's actually in Bicycling Magazine. So I think it's a, it's a real issue and you need to start thinking about doing something other than just cycling if you want to improve your the, the way you look. And I think most people would say that combining cycling with weight training is a good thing to do. 
And please, if you are cycling single file, always appreciated if we are driving alongside you. Graham, I'm quite intrigued. Why haven't we seen a photo of the Brompton bike and you in full Lycra? I think very similar reasons to the encounter with the Dutch lady. I think it would result in quite extreme ridicule. Yeah, it probably would. But is there a potential that there might be a LinkedIn post announcement of the full Lycra? No. Anyway, um, let's move on quickly from there. So I think it's important to, to think about cycling in its broader context. And I think Chris Hoy is a great example. So you can go on YouTube and see Chris Hoy going around multiple gyms talking about his lifting regime. So he is the, I think the exact thing, the second most decorated Olympic cyclist of all time. He's from Scotland. Between 2012 and 2021, he was the most successful British Olympian and the most successful Olympic cyclist of all time at that point. He weighs the same as me, 92 kilos. He's the same height as me, 1.85 meters, and yet he's a cyclist. So how does he do that? Also, he looks pretty ripped and pretty wedge. Well, he does trap bar deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts. His main focus is his barbell back squat. Uh, he said he weight trains every single day. Bizarrely, he said he trains legs every single day. I think, Angus, you would suggest training legs every single day is counterproductive, right? Yeah, I, I would argue that he doesn't get enough muscle recovery. I assume if he was to expand on that, it would be a different style of training. So one day might be strength, one day might be more hypertrophic focus, and one day might be more explosive work. So if he's talking about training legs and it's explosive work, then that's very different to if you're aiming to build strength or muscle. So that might be what he means by that. Yeah, and he, he said that a combination of bike and gym is essential for his lower body explosive power. Now, he's obviously in the um, velodrome going around very, very fast. He needs explosive power, so very different to a, a touring cyclist or a, a, a road cyclist. But he said he's really very focused on his technique, his progressive overload. And you know, for him, it's really, really important. He does say he doesn't do much upper body work because he wants to focus all of his muscular strength on his legs as opposed to upper body, which will increase his weight. I think if you look at the um, bikes you can buy, you can, and I looked at a, a very interesting cycling weekly magazine bike purchase guide, there's two dudes called Jono and Ian who are the bicycling versions of Angus and Graham. And they've got a YouTube channel. They refer to themselves as gearheads. They both wear caps, so also similar to me. Angus hasn't got his Lift 5 cap yet. But they list on their website the best bikes you can buy. And apparently the best one is the Damien Hurst-designed Trek Madon Butterfly, which is a carbon fiber bike with real butterflies embedded in its frame. It weighs just 7.5 kilos, but it does cost 500,000 US dollars per bike. So maybe we're not going to buy one yet, but I think, you know, once the Lift for Life podcast really takes off. And when we have our own studio, we'll just put it in the studio. Yeah, maybe just hang it on the wall. Yeah, in Harrods as well, they have golden dumbbells, so we'll have them in there as well. So we can get a real show <laughs> when we have the studio. <laughs> But if you want to actually not have the butterflies, then apparently the absolute best bike, if you're a really serious cyclist and not cyclist plus art fan, is the um, 
Cervelo S5, which weighs 8.2 kilograms. Um, that costs £17,000. It's the fastest bike of the modern era, apparently, and it's incredibly aero, which apparently is bike terminology for good and fast. So, so that might be um, uh, one that's more appropriate for our listeners to buy. But I think the, the, the bottom line of all of this is cycling, clearly great thing, but you need to combine it with weight training if you want to increase your leg strength. And the, the, the point of progressive overload is repeated by many cyclists that I've read uh, in, in, in various cycling magazines and various posts. And like we always say, we're not creating this podcast to cause any tension with people who like to do lots of cardio. We are doing it to give you the information and the knowledge to help you progress on things like your cycling journey and your running journey uh, to ensure you get the most out of it. Yeah, there's, there's also been some really interesting um, analysis by medical organizations and, 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 and US universities into the importance of cycling and combining it with weight training. And they one I think I saw from Yale was while it's technically possible to build muscle and strength through cycling alone, it's extremely inefficient. Uh, putting aside the, the difficulty of these workouts, the rate of hypertrophy from cycling and sprint interval training is much slower than traditional strength training um, to the point where in the view of this Yale specialist, it's basically much better to gain additional strength through through weight training. Fantastic. Graham, I think we have given everyone some very good information. And actually, fact man, thank you, because I've learned a few things there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Live for Life podcast. As always, please like, share, subscribe. If you can, give us a five star. If you feel we deserve it, then that's much appreciated too, because of course that pushes us up the algorithms and more and more people can listen and benefit from the Lift for Life podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks, I guess.